Well, it's time to discuss some of the big issues facing the world at the moment with one and only Alex Selios from thebigsmoke.com.au. G'day, Alex. Hello, how are you? I'm well. I'm intrigued, actually, because uh, I, you know how you get those fake friend requests on Facebook because somebody's had their account hacked? Well, I got one from you recently, but it was actually fair income. Why have you restarted your Facebook account? So one of the things that I think I'd, I've done, and I know a lot of people did this when they first set up their profiles back in 2005, or 2006, we, we didn't really know anything about digital footprints at the time, and we definitely didn't know anything about what Facebook w- was going to do in terms of data. Mm. Um, and we had just come off MySpace and things like that, and MS and Messenger and all these different different platforms. Um, but we, we set up Facebook and we connected with everyone we knew. So if you'd met once at some party, you still added that person, and you, you spent all your time updating your status so that people knew what you were doing and where you were and what you were eating. And it just became almost like a journal or a diary. From, and it feels like it's a bit from high school. Um, so, so you had all of this backlog of history and data on yourself. And over time, it kept coming back. So you got on this day 10 years ago, what happened in 2013 on this day, and it would come up. And a lot of people started to delete old status updates that would pop up during that, during that process. Yeah. The problem is, if you delete stuff, um, you can probably you can delete status updates, but comments that you've made to other people on other threads or other accounts, it's difficult to find after a while. And all of the messages that you sent someone on Messenger, even if you deleted it off your device, it's still forever on their device. Yeah, so right. it's like this digital footprint that haunts you. Um, and I had a lot of personal conversations on Messenger that, to be honest, I don't ever want to come out. Um, ex-partners, all sorts of things. So it was just a matter of maybe it's time to be starting over, um, to have a little bit of a, a cathartic process of deleting everything that you've done in the past and, and starting fresh. And so I did that. And I've lost probably about 350 friends because I mean, Facebook friends, not actual friends, yeah, yeah. but because um, they don't know it's a real profile. And I've messaged a few people, but 90% of them don't care anymore. And um, and and it just it was a, it was just about starting fresh. And it's actually quite um, it's a it's been actually a bit of a relief because I'm first of all it's wiped clear all of the data on me in terms of advertising and targeting, and a lot of stuff that tends to haunt us on the social media has gone away. See, I start, when I first started on Facebook, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard of, and I thought mm-hmm. to myself, um, I'll never have more than one hundred Facebook friends. If I have more than that, well, then I'm ta- I'm taking, you know, having a lend to myself. Uh, I'm at eight hundred and one now, and I reckon if I did what you did, I'd probably end up with about three hundred if I started again, because I'd forget who the other four hundred, four four or five hundred were. Well, this is the thing, and I and I put an update on my Facebook, on my old Facebook, before I closed it, and I just said, just so people knew it was legitimate, I said, if you get a friend request from me, um, it is actually legitimate because I'm going to shut this profile down. It's old. Uh, and a lot of people actually commented on that status update saying, oh, I haven't received a, a friendship request from you. And I was like, oh, I forgot about you. And <laughs> and I quickly sent them went out of just being a bit awkward. But um. But it was, it was quite nice to start fresh, I have to say. And I downloaded all of my data. I downloaded all of my images. And those, you know, years, I think I had like 25,000 comments and all these messages and photos and entire albums. And I downloaded it and, and put it in the cloud to save it. But I've completely started fresh and it's quite nice. Okay. All right. Might be something to consider. Um, now, 
look, if this was really true, Alex, I would have died years ago, but apparently thinking too much can shorten your life. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting study because it's not so much about whether or not cognitive function d- deletes uh, the years off your life or, or anything like that. It's more around can over time excessive brain activity actually be harmful? And, um, and it was actually a study that came out from the Harvard Medical School and it was all about uh, overly stressed brains is the, is the most layman way of saying it. Right. It was neurons that are firing off um, all day long. It, it actually indicated support for the, the research for people to meditate or to take time out, Tai Chi, things like that. And how they did it was they actually did a series of studies on, uh, on, on brain tissue from those who had lived long lives um, up until around 60 or 70 plus years of age. And what they found was that what we think of as brain activity to keep us cognitively normal actually um, can, can be counterintuitive if neural activity as we age becomes uh, frantic or almost like seizure, seizure-like bursts of activity. So it was all about brains that actually didn't have enough of the rest protein and that's what impacted whether or not they were able to, um, to live a long life and it tamped down genes. Okay. Now, we always hear that, you know, a few bar, a few bars of dark chocolate is actually good for your health. Is that true? You know, a lot of people like to hear stories to val- or research to validate their own addiction. Yeah. So that's why you'll hear people saying things like, oh, if you watch Netflix every day, you'll have a really healthy relationship because of anecdotal studies says X, Y, Z. Um, and chocolate's no, no different. A lot of people talk about the fact that they actually will have dark chocolate because it's the healthier version. Um, but, it, but it's a complicated assumption because um, the idea behind it is that you're thinking that you're going to get the benefits that are associated with um, with cocoa beans. And that's just not the case. And while a lot of people um, can feel that dark chocolate could have benefits, and that's including reducing the risk of diabetes, the amount of chocolate that you would have to have to gain th- those benefits is enormous. And I'm sure that the fat and the sugar um, would outweigh the, the health benefits. So, so it's, it's one of those things where I think we just tell ourselves that it's a healthy treat when actually we could just be having fruit um, or just enjoy chocolate you like. Don't try to make it healthy. Just enjoy it for what it is um, rather than fooling ourselves into thinking that it's actually a, a, an alternative healthy treat. <laughs> if only. Uh, artificial intelligence, you reckon it's out of control with a new toothbrush? Sometimes companies try to think, how are we going to be innovative? How are we going to launch into 2020 as a, as a tech leader? And even if they're not a tech company, they want to integrate tech in somehow to their product. So this is a toothbrush. It's an AI-derived toothbrush, and the company actually promises that it will help you have the best uh, experience when you brush your teeth, teeth because they've created an algorithm from more than 2,000 brushing sessions that gains in- exclusive insights into brushing behaviours <laughs> from around the world. So it's kind of this really over-the-top uh, toothbrush that leverages data from sensors inside the brush head and um, Bluetooth to deliver AI-derived brushing tips. I mean, I can see this being under the tree this Christmas for a lot of people because someone's going to get sucked into it, but it's just it just is so unnecessary. Yeah, I could. Um, yeah, okay. 
If you need a computer to tell you how to brush your teeth, you're doing something <laughs> wrong. Um, now, tell us, speaking of machines, tell us about these hugging machines. Yeah. Um, so often we talk about the loneliness epidemic and how a lot of people are feeling disconnected more than ever from communities. And um, and, a, and a woman uh, in LA actually created a, a, what she called the compression carpet, which was a machine that was meant to be a piece of art. And it simulates a hug to a person who's craving intimacy. But a lot of experts are now saying, well, hang on, maybe technology can actually solve the issue of a touch-phobic society and can sensory technology um, really change the way we feel in terms of loneliness and, and having weak relationships and feeling isolated. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not somebody who's overly physical. Um, I don't really want to hug people when I see them on the street if, you know, I don't know them that well. I probably, you know, will reserve that for family and friends and, and boyfriends. I just don't really want to hug random people. I actually feel uncomfortable when people hug me for too long. I had a woman recently who is a work colleague, and um, when she saw me, she goes, oh, we just, sometimes you just need to hold each other and hug each other and have that connection. And she was holding on to me and hugging me. And the whole time I was, like, sweating with stress of how uncomfortable I was. So it was sort of like that scene in that movie, Step Brothers. Yeah, I just felt so uncomfortable. So so I think everyone's different. But for those who do crave physical intimacy and they want to hug, this could be a solution. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll stick to the real thing. Alex, good to talk (laughs) to you. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks so much. Alex Selios from thebigsmoke.com.au.